Last week, we heard the account of Jesus sending out the 72 disciples with his own words, announcing the kingdom of God is at hand, giving them the the instruction not to force the message on anyone, but shake the dust off your feet as a symbol of our unwillingness to make you have something that you do not want. We respect human freedom. Now, you wrap that, as we said, into the the fabric of the proclamation of the gospel by the way in which he sent these men out. No money, no food, no change of clothing. So that if they wanted or attempted to force the message on those who didn't want it, well, they wouldn't be able to survive. No food, no money, stinky, no change of clothing. But then likewise, it meant that the community to which they were sent had to provide for that possibility of the proclamation of the gospel. These men have nothing but the words that came from Jesus. So if we don't want them to die of famine, we provide for food. If they need a place to be, well, we have to open our hearts and our homes out of hospitality in the midst of perhaps danger uh, to us, maybe ostracized, being ostracized by people we know. There must be reciprocity. In other words, Jesus was saying, you must take responsibility. Don't be deceived. Because unless you want it, it will pass on from you. I mean, we know this from our own personal lives, times in which we have taken responsibility and have not in relationships, for example, when we just have avoided investing in our family. And so the environment of the home has suffered. The relationships have become tense. But likewise, we also know what it's like to invest and to have a household where there's joy. Jesus is offering what in the gospel? What is he inviting us to take responsibility for? Just the kingdom of God, that's all, right? No big deal. God has returned to set things right. He's fulfilling his promise, including overthrowing the source of evil, Satan. I saw Satan fall like lightning from the sky, he said. Do you want to take part in this? Do you want to be involved in this? That's why what we do here matters. It's an icon. It's a representation of that death and resurrection that overthrew the source of all evil. And so what we do here reverberates or should out there. Now, we know what abdicating responsibility is like. Kids are especially sensitive to this. You make some arrangement with your children. You're going to do your chores, and we can watch a movie. We can go out to eat. And if one of them does not, I mean, their sibling is very sensitive to it. They have an acute sense of justice, do they not? It is not fair. I mean, they know it deep down. To abdicate responsibility makes things unfair. You know, if they grow a little bit and become a little more sophisticated in their thinking and speaking, they might say, 
you're taking advantage of me. You're taking advantage of the family. So Jesus is saying at one level, don't take advantage of others. You've been involved in this great task. As the basket goes around, don't take advantage of others. Don't let someone else provide while you deny. Financially, morally, investing. You know what that's like as a team, as a family. Now, it's only one dimension of it, though. It's viewed only from one perspective. How it's affecting me, maybe family. But from the other vantage point, with a little maturation, we could say it's something like this, words that I borrowed from Jordan Peterson. Opportunity knocks where responsibility has been abdicated. Opportunity knocks where responsibility has been abdicated. Right? So what's happening, you know, when you ask your children to do chores, clean your room, or participate in a larger family's life or the community's life, what's happening when you're asking that, requiring that of them, is that they're breaking through, you're helping them to break through this inward-facing selfishness that is a deception, helping them to break out of this false sense of individualism because we don't exist as individuals. We depend on others for the very life of the community. I depend upon mom and dad to provide shelter and food, but I provide, I depend on my country to provide things. My school, my neighborhood, my community, I mean, there's a breaking open that happens there. And if Jesus is saying that about the kingdom of God, it's like this cosmic dimension that he's helping to open our hearts to. This breaking open of the individual and the groups beyond which we're not concerned with is the thrust of the Good Samaritan. It breaks open that false way of living. I mean, to begin with, the scholar is concerned with just himself. When he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a minimalistic question. What's the least amount that I could do to get by and get into heaven? Right? It's a minimalistic question. Followed by another minimalistic question. Who is my neighbor? Who must I treat this way? Tell me who I don't have to treat this way. And I'll acquiesce and treat some like you want me to, but the others, I'll treat as I want to. What's the least that I can get by with? And so he tells this extraordinary parable of the Good Samaritan. Against the backdrop of this deep animosity between Jews and Samaritans, Samaritans only about 30 years prior to Jesus telling this parable, had drug dead people through the Jews' temple, desecrating it. And he's using one of them as an example here. Notice that by the end of the parable of of the gospel, Jesus has flipped the question. No longer is it, who is my neighbor? That's not the question. But who was neighbor to the victim? Do you see how he flipped it on its head? In other words, Jesus transformed the question about those out there 
to one each person asks of himself or herself, am I acting or living like a neighbor? It's a 180 from what you see in politics, social media, and on the news, all of which are concerned with what you are doing wrong. And Jesus is saying, ask not what they're doing wrong. Ask first whether or not you are living as a neighbor. The example of the Good Samaritan has traditionally been read as an image or a type of Jesus Christ. We were estranged from God. God was a stranger to us, so he bent down low in Jesus, attended to the wounds of all humanity, lifting us up on his shoulders and caring for us. And the example of the Good Samaritan breaks open our hearts to a way of life not defined by kind of a self-centered minimalism or group identity, but by divine love, from which grows communities of love, communities that take responsibility for one another and the whole of humanity.